What's up? What's up, Los Angeles? It's me, Casey Diaz, host of the Shot Collar Podcast. Hey, um, it's an exciting time. It is the Super Bowl of our Christian faith. As we approach um, Resurrection Sunday, well, we're going to bring something special to you, and we hope that this episode increases your faith, that this episode stirs something good inside of you, that you share it with everyone, especially the the ones that are not in the Lord. And um, we're excited. We are excited about this episode right here. Enjoy it. So I'm excited to be here, as I know uh, uh, Ed is uh, excited as well. Um, Ed, we we did an episode um, a couple months ago uh, on the life of of Christ, an in-depth conversation on the life, the birth of Christ. And that episode um, got a lot of attention. In fact, um, uh, that was probably one of the, 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 the episodes that Got so much noise and when, and and good noise. Um, people enjoyed it. Uh, people were, were uh, some uh, eyes were opened, uh, hearts were opened, and I think that we have something really cool here. And uh, when you told me about the subject matter that we're going to talk about today, um, it sparked an interest on me. One because. To be honest with you, I, I had never really looked at at that at that part of it. Uh, I think that for some of us, we we grow in our Christian faith, and we're satisfied just with you know what we know, and we really don't go a little deeper until the Holy Spirit stirs something up in there and, and goes you know well the Spirit searches the deep things of God and. Um, there is so much evidence about the existing of, existence of Christ and so much evidence uh, of his resurrection. There's so much, so, there's just an abundance of, you know, things pointing to what took place in a tomb. And, um, well, uh, I, I like what this one pastor said, uh, the tomb of Jesus is where people from all over the world save up all their money just so that they could go make a trip to Israel and they save all that money to go see nothing. Isn't that awesome? That, that, that to me, when I, when I heard him say it that way, I thought, wow, people are saving a whole year uh, in advance to go see nothing. And so uh, uh, we're about to hit Resurrection Sunday here, and it's it's it is the Super Bowl of of our Christian faith. Ed, thank you so much for being uh, to coming back over here to the podcast. What do you got for us, man? Well, thank you. I'm glad to be back. Uh, so today we're going to talk <clears throat> about the uh, the resurrection of Christ. The uh, it's an in depth study, an analysis, an investigation into what evidence is out there for anyone to research and reach their own conclusion. So in a nutshell, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, before we get started, I do, I do want to say thanks. I want to say thanks uh, to all those who listened to the last episode. 
as Casey mentioned the last episode, we went and deep dive into the death of Christ, how he was murdered, uh, how he suffered a criminal's death on the cross for our salvation. Um, in, in, in doing that episode and sharing it with uh, friends and family and coworkers, I, I got a lot of messages sent my way, a very large amount of encouraging words. Um, a lot of people shared how that message impacted them. I never thought that in, in my life, right, how do you told me 10 years ago, hey, you're going to sit on a podcast, you're going to deliver the gospel, and about 300,000 people are going to listen to it. Um, I would have never imagined that would have, I would have been used in that manner. So thank you for, for allowing me to come into your world and, <laughs> uh, and share that. That was, it was a very humbling experience. And because of that, I felt compelled to come back, <laughs> and here I am. Well, we're, we're glad that, that you're back, man. And, you know, the, here's the deal with the resurrection. Um, without it, without the resurrection of Christ, uh, Paul has something very uh, interesting to say about that. In 1 Corinthians 15, 14, he says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is, in, uh, is vain. You are yet in your sins, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. This is how important the resurrection of Christ is to the believer. That Paul goes on that if this didn't happen, we're in sin. We're going to die in sin. And those that one would say foolishly gave their their lives over to Christ and died a, a violent death for their faith, well, their death is in vain. If Christ was not raised. So this topic, this piece of information is highly important to our faith. And so uh, I think uh, I'm, man, I'm at the edge of my seat. Uh, I know that, you know, I looked at your notebook and <laughs> you went to town, brother. So I love that. Um, uh, and I can't wait to uh, hear what you have for us and, you know, and have a great conversation about it. Cool. Uh, let's do it like this. Uh, so the last time I was here, I mentioned uh, briefly just what my testimony is, right? I was a guy who didn't believe. Um, I was told, yeah, you know, Christ was, uh, there was an immaculate conception. Uh, he went and he cured the blind. He raised the dead. Um, he claimed to be the son of God. He was tortured and killed and he resurrected. And I did not believe any of it. Um, through friends who, who showed me a lot of grace. <laughs> Uh, they, you know, they were the, the planting seeds, right? That's what we're supposed to do as, yeah. as Christians, just plant seeds and God takes care of the rest. He, it's in scripture, right? He, he invites us on, or we decide if we believe yeah. or not. Uh, for me, it was an in-depth investigation of large part, just because of what I do professionally. Uh, as we mentioned, I'm a detective sergeant for a law enforcement agency somewhere in the County of LA and, um, 25 years doing that. So for me, it was, a, it was a full depth investigation into how, what evidence there was. Like we talked about in the previous episode, there was the death and full analysis on, on that, which I shared with you. Today is what, what my story is in coming to believe the resurrection. Um, so this presentation is going to be very much identical in the fashion as the last episode we did. We'll provide the scriptures, we'll provide the references, we'll provide the, the everything we cite, it's going to be on the show notes. Um, 
So you can research it, you can watch it, you can investigate it, you can read it on your own, and on your own, just come to discover the truth. Amen. Um, so what is the topic of, of today? We, we're going to discuss the evidence for the resurrection, and the purpose of it is obviously to conduct an in-depth analysis into the evidence of the resurrection of Christ to allow you to determine the truth on the matter. Um, if you could read some scripture for us, Casey, that uh, we're going to cover Matthew chapter 27 and 28. Matthew 27. Uh, and I'll give me one second here, Matthew 27. And we are at, uh, I believe, uh, 50, right? Yeah, 27, 50. 50. Okay, so we're going to go to 50 here. And here's what the Bible says. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother, mother of James and Joseph, the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When, I was, when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea, named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it on its own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. You know, why did we decide to start here in this particular uh, scripture is because of the last podcast. So if, if, if you're listening Take a listen to the episode we did in January about the death of Christ. The reason we started here is because it starts with Jesus surrendering his spirit and, and dying on the cross. Um, there's a few things I want to point out, and then we'll go into chapter 28. So before we proceed, uh, there's a few things. When I read this, this story for the first time that, that stood out to me, and I'm going to share those just so that you understand where, where I came from and how I got to, to my conclusion. Uh, we'll start with Matthew 27, 54. Um, and you'll notice there that, that there's an acknowledgement by the guards 
that this is the son of God. They witnessed what happened and they were shook and they acknowledged that they had killed the son of God. That stood out to me. Uh, the second thing that stood out to me was uh, a wealthy man, right? Named Joseph requested the body. Though that's in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-nine, requested the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. That clean linen cloth is going to play a major part in this discussion. That was the first note that I saw that I wanted to dive into a little bit further. So we're going to get there, but let me just set the stage first. Then we go into Matthew 27, 63, where the Pharisees say, remember that when the deceiver was still alive, he said, after three days, I will rise again. So give orders to secure the tomb until the third day. Why? <laughs> Why order? If you didn't believe, if you didn't believe this was the son of God, why would you order it be secured? Yeah. And then there's the acknowledgement by Pilate to get it done. Yeah. Why deploy assets to secure a tomb if it's false? It's something you don't believe is true. Right. So those are those, let me see here, one, two, three, four points that stood out in just yeah. reading that. Um, ordering a guard, uh, acknowledging that he's the son of God, uh, Pilate deploying the guards. And a rich guy wanting to take possession of the body yeah. and wrap it in a linen cloth. And that's real important because you have to remember that Joseph was a wealthy man. And he gave his tomb for Christ. And this linen cloth, you have to think, to the time, would have been very expensive. Mm -hmm. It's a luxurious piece of, of linen that he's giving up while he and going back to Christ while Christ died a criminal's death in death and his burial he was treated like a king hmm. like the king that he is that's right um, so let's keep pushing forward let's talk about uh, Matthew 28 if you could read 28 1 all the way down to 28 15 28, 28, 1, Matthew 28, uh, chapter 28, verse 1 through 15. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was cru crucified. He is not here. He has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to, the, to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. 
And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And it came to, to the governor's ears, We will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. So again, let's talk about some things that stood out for me in reading that. The first thing that stood out, uh, uh, you know, as an investigator, there's there's things that you watch, there's patterns, there's consistencies, and and that is something you key in on. Every single time that there is an appearance of an angel, and even when when Christ appeared to the disciples, the first words out of every angel's mouth when they come onto earth and appear before humans is, "Do not be afraid." Do not be afraid. Yep. So I did just kind of that caught my attention because I had read that um, in, in other appearances of angels, and there it was yet again. So just watching for patterns, there it was again. So that's something that stood out to me. The second thing that stood out to me was the witnesses. So the witnesses for this are, are, are the two Marys, right? Yep. And the guards. <laughs> so here's my thing that, that kind of stood out to me. If I'm trying to sell you a story why and again going back to 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 the times uh, women their credibility was questioned uh in those times yeah that's just the way it was in in, in culture back then so why would you uh, um make two women your your primary witnesses it stood out to me because just like in street crimes that occur here in the streets of, of los angeles uh, sometimes you have a, a high profile case and your witness is the prostitute that's working the corner or the homeless uh, drug addict that was happened to be in that area trying to score. And that's who your witnesses are. And nothing changes. That. Those are your facts. And you have to to work those facts. So that stood out to me, because why would you make two women, ordinary women whose credibility was questioned in society at that time? Um, your, your primary witnesses, the, the two other people, guards whose credibility would have been superior, for lack of better terms, are bribed. They're mm. told, take this money, this is what you're going to say. And so that makes them completely uncredible yeah. moving forward. So nothing that comes out of their mouth is credible from that point on. Yeah. So those were things that stood out to me. Um, so let's keep pushing here. So just to set the stage again, we, we talked about how, how Christ suffered a criminal's death, and then in royalty, he's, I'm sorry, in death, he's buried as, in, as a king. Uh, a wealthy man surrendered his tomb to Jesus and wrapped him in a linen shroud. Again, we talked about the, the luxury of, of that shroud and the expensive fabric for its period. Uh, now, this is when we're going to start getting into the meat and potatoes here. Uh, can you turn to John chapter 20? John chapter 20. From verse 2? Yeah, let's go from verse 2 to, to 10. 10. Yeah. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciples, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping, stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there. He did, 
he, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth laying there, and the face of the cloth, which had been on Jesus, on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciples, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Few things. Uh, one I'll just touch on really quickly just because it stood out and I, I want to acknowledge it. Uh, Mary never says he resurrected. She says they've taken his body and we don't know where it's at. Again, if you're making a story up, why are you going to put that doubt in it? Yeah. In, right. Initially. Uh, but let's move on to to the the tomb. Right. So John gets out down there. It says he takes a peek and notices that there's just a shroud left there. So if this is a crime scene, the only piece of evidence that remains is a shroud. So what do you do with that? You have to collect it and you have to analyze it. And uh, wouldn't you know it that the shroud was preserved? Yeah. The shroud was preserved um, and it's located in Turin, Italy at the Royal Chapel of the Cathedral of, um, here goes my best Italian, uh, <laughs> San Giovanni Battista, which is basically St. John the Baptist. Yes. <laughs> so um, the shroud is uh, been preserved. It sits in the, in the possession of the Catholic Church and the and I just want to give a brief overview of the shroud so we know what, what, uh, what we're going to be describing. The shroud is it's referred to as the Holy Shroud, uh, and it's referred to as the Shroud of Turin. As we said, the reason it's called Shroud of Turin is because that's where it's located, at the Cathedral of St. John the Baptist in Turin, Italy. Um, so, so what is the, the, the Holy Shroud? Uh, in essence, what it is is uh, the cloth in which many believe is the burial cloth of, of Jesus, and on it is the image of a tortured, crucified male believed to be Jesus. Um, the Holy Shroud, as we mentioned, is made of linen. It's 14 feet 5 inches by 3 feet 7 inches. And back in October of 1978, the, the Vatican allowed a full uh, scientific study of the Holy Shroud the study itself was five days, 120 hours. That's how much time they were, the researchers were allotted. The pre-planning was two years. Uh, in total, 33 researchers would give their input about the shroud. And it involved every scientific aspect that, that you can possibly think of. It was chemistry, it was physics, biology, x-ray, UV, infrared, microscopy, flower sampling, and really just a bunch of much more other stuff. Um, um, and they all went with one question in to answer. What formed the image of the shroud? That was it. That was the one question. So one of the things that's going to be on the show notes is a TED Talk by, by Barry Schwartz. Uh, Barry Schwartz is the official documenting photographer of the Shroud of Turin Research Project. In his TED Talk, he introduces himself and he talks about how he was completely biased against the Shroud. He wrote it off as simply a free, free trip to, to Italy. <laughs> it was his 
mindset was that he was going to go there, declare it a fake, say it was a painting, and come back home having scored a free trip to Italy. Yeah. Um, but like anything that God does, when he sends somebody, he assigns somebody, and if he touches their heart, um, that's not the way it's going to go down. <laughs> um, 44 years later, uh, Barry Schwartz is still studying, still discussing the Shroud and maintaining the website Shroud.com. Shroud.com details all the work behind the study. It, it's really cool. I invite you to go check out Shroud.com. In it, you'll find the operations plans. Like I mentioned, there was two years of planning beforehand, and the operations plans detail how they were going to study, the methodology, how they... Every single aspect is, of that study is on that website. Um, the TED Talk is about 21 minutes long. Definitely worth your time. And I invite anyone, when they're done with this podcast, start clicking on those uh, websites and, and start listening. In brief, what Barry Short's conclusion was, was that the shroud was not a painting. It contained no pigments, no dyes, no stains, and on the, on the fibrils themselves. And no brush strokes. Nothing. It contains, what it did contain was three-dimensional three dimensional information encoded in it. There was blood stains, and, and it's interesting to see, like he had a hard time believing about the blood stains. That was his one doubt until a blood specialist came in. And the blood stains, it was really to him, are composed of hemoglobin. hemoglobin. They tested positive for serine albumin, and the bright red stains contain bilirubin, which is consistent with people who are tortured. They go into shock. The liver floods the bloodstream with bilirubin, and the blood stays bright red forever. That, you know, when, when I came across that part, because it, it's depicting a crime scene, mm -hmm. and, and here's the evidence. And, and you know, that, the first thing I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking logically, right, with, with, um, with, uh, with, um, uh, oh, Barry Shorts. But with Barry Shorts. Um, the first thought that comes to mind is yeah, blood doesn't stay red, it goes dark brown. Or it goes black, and almost uh, within minutes, it, it doesn't tend to last long being red. So when that came across, and I'm listening to it, I immediately went and started, you know, going in there because I want to go. I want to see for myself. Uh, wow, I never thought that that blood could remain that red, and then he says forever. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. As you should. I think anything that's presented to you as, as evidence, you should verify it. And I'm glad you did that. And um, I hope the listeners do as well. So what was the conclusion? How this image was, was formed? Uh, the answer is this. How the image was produced remains a mystery. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more and as we continue on the, on the findings of the shroud. So let's continue diving deep deeper into it um with the findings on the shroud uh, so there is a catholic university in italy i'm gonna I hope i don't butcher their name but here we go some more uh some more fine some, italian some more fine <laughs> italian on my behalf Ateneo <laughs> pontifico regina apostolorum um yeah so hey that sounds that sounds legit to me bro <laughs> so one of the 
bright things, I guess you could say, that happened out of out of the pandemic. Uh, a lot of people started posting virtual tours of things. Uh, this university uh, did as well. They did a virtual tour on their YouTube channel, and it's titled "Who Is the Man on the Shroud," and that'll also be on the show notes for you to look at. That's about an hour. Um, so what what did they conclude as well? The same. Same as Barry Schwartz, right? It's not a rubbing. It's not a painting. It's not a photograph. The negative image displays a face. And that face is obviously believed to be the face of Jesus. The first photo was in 1898. And here's the beauty of that photo and how you see the face that's on it in the dark room. When this when this image was taken and placed in 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 the dark room to be exposed that's when they saw the light that's the negative image is the positive right and i love that about it because yeah. that's christ that's who he is <laughs> in the darkest moments is when he exposes himself himself to us yeah and that i only really like that because it was consistent right again yeah. looking in patterns when is god present the most to us in the dark times. In the dark, darkest moments. Yep. So that was one of those things that stood out to me. Um, continuing with the studies on there, what else did they find? Well, you have a flat two-dimensional piece of linen which contains 3D coating in it. So important to know that a normal photo will record variations in light. It does not record distance of camera and, sub and the subject as the shroud captures. Uh, so what caused the 3D image to be encoded into a two-dimensional flat piece of linen? The only explanation is, is a miracle. It's a miracle that emanated from the body with a large amount of energy, which has been estimated at 32 trillion watts of UV light to create the image in a very rapid moment in time. The imprint... Uh, has in, in testing it it shows that it's been exposed to fire and water yet the image has not been destroyed and, and the beauty in that is they have to understand that the image is is very superficial yeah it's one-fifth of a human hair wow so that's very thin it's so thin that if you took the shroud put a light bulb behind it you wouldn't be able to see it it's so thin that you could take a razor and shave it right off Yet, there it is. It still remains. Yeah. Um, so, diving deeper into it, and then we'll bring it all home towards the end. I'm just going to shoot it and give you a bunch of things that were contained in the shroud. The blood type is AB, which is consistent with Palestinian male Jews. Poland samples found in plants in, on the shroud were native to Judea, Syria, Palestine. Thus, that places it in the location of the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. One geologist was quoted as saying, the dirt matches like a fingerprint to the one in Palestine. That's incredible. Linen samples have dated it to the time of Christ, 2,000 years old. Um, there's some controversy with, with, with the dating, but the there's so many peer-reviewed journal studies out there now I'll direct you to one, mdpi.com. And mdpi.com, uh, what they did was they did a new method, which is called the wide-angle x-ray scattering, 
that study is dated March 29, 2022, and that one placed it 2,000 years ago. Um, in full transparency, I will say that the original carbon dating in, that was performed in 1988 placed it to the period of 1260 to 1390 AD. But what you have to is—I'm sorry, what you have to understand that is that it was exposed to a fire during the medieval times, and to refurbish it, they placed new linens on, on, the, on the edges. Um, so what they believe happened was the samples that were pulled from those corners and it cross-contaminated with the, with, the, um, with the original shroud. And that's why they believe they got the carbon dating from 1988 to that period. But we've advanced in technology. Yeah. We've new, new technology, and now it's dating it to 2,000 years ago. Um, so let's keep moving forward here. How did I, how do I take all this information and process it and make a determination? Um, the, what was the most convincing for me was that the image depicted matches the gospel account of the crucifixion. The physical sufferings of Christ are all captured on the shroud. There's inflammation in the cheeks, there's a broken nose, there's a crown of thorns, and that's really important for me because really while the other many people were crucified, there's no other recorded account of a man being crowned with thorns. The only one. It's Christ. Yeah. So that stood out to me. And what you have to understand, it's not really a crown of thorns. It's literally like a helmet Yeah, yeah. that covers the entire upper head. And so it's really just a helmet of, of thorns. thorns. Uh, continuing the physical sufferings, the scourging is documented from head to toe in the upper torso, the front and back. And that is all consistent with the Roman scourging. There's the excoriation marks on the shoulders document the carrying of a cross. The evidence of the nails on the wrist and the feet. On the right side, between the fifth and sixth ribs, there's a four centimeter piercing on the side, which again was how they ensured that Christ was dead, the Roman guards. Uh, that stain is stained with serum water and blood, which are separated and occurred post-mortem. So what's the finding with all that for me? The death of Christ is definitely documented on the shroud as it reads in the gospel. It's dated to that time. It's placed at that location. And it is consistent with the method of death for Christ. If this was a circumstantial case in a courtroom, I definitely think a jury would come back and find it to be such based on circumstantial evidence. Guilty. Pretty much guilty. <laughs> <laughs> we have to also note, right, and if we declare the Bible to be true, the apparitions of Christ mentioned in the gospel. Um, so let's not forget about that as well. The 3D coding, another big piece of evidence for me for the resurrection was this. The 3D coating shows the body was separated from the cloth prior to decomposition. That's like a huge key point of evidence. Um, let me just kind of elaborate on that a little bit further. The maximum state of rigor mortis is 40 hours. 
so what occurred was the body was lowered from from the cross and it remained in that position and when you see the shroud you see the lower extremities especially in the buttocks area are very curved remember the placement of of christ on the cross so he's brought down and the lower extremities remain in that position and that's noticeable on on the 3d coating what happens after 40 hours after rigor mortis uh, after 40 hours of secondary flaccidity occurs the decomposition starts to occur muscles loosen and this is all absent on the image captured on the shroud the logical conclusion is that the body separated from the cloth within 40 hours you have to ask yourself why did the blood stop soaking onto the cloth mm. right like you said when you process a, a crime scene you have to ask these questions yeah um the account that the the pharisees told the guards right um that he was taken well there's no evidence of that on the cloth it would have been present but there's no smearing there's no smudging to suggest the body was removed the blood stains are without displacement and here's going back to to what god does and how he appears and and consistent with what's on the gospel. I mean, what's on and on his word. Science, as we know it today, cannot provide a definitive explanation as to how this image was created on the cloth. But I love that about that, because what the word tells us that our fate requires us as believers to have faith. Yeah. So here we reach the intersection of faith and reason. It allows for us to conclude for ourselves, right? Which is consistent with the free will that God gives us for us to decide to accept Christ. I've accepted the shroud to be the receipt of the gospel. It mirrors the gospel. And even like John Paul II said that, it mirrors the gospel. So here we are. We've presented this shroud of Turin. We've put all the link so you can research it more and once again i leave the listeners with the question what are you going to do with that are you what's going to be your decision to accept god or to reject him and and you know and here's where that that is the important uh, question at hand free will is is a double-edged sword right uh you know because well, God didn't make robots. He made humans. And uh, unfortunately, humans are flawed uh, because of sin coming in um, through Adam and, and Eve. Through Adam, really. Um, and so we have this free choice, this, this beautiful thing called free choice that, one, either gets us in fellowship with, with, with God's son and there, and thereby, um, being presented not guilty at a future trial, which we will be in trial at some point. Every human being will be in a heavenly court and we will be giving account for everything that we've done, uh, on this earth while we were living. The time is short. The time is the time span that we have on this earth is very, very short. 
Um, if you look at the scriptures, 70 years. Uh, not that much time compared to eternity. And uh, then he says, you know, if you, by grace, uh, if you, you know, uh, eat an apple a day, <laughs> if you exercise, if you live right, uh, unlike Casey Diaz, you'll live longer, right? <laughs> I skip the I skip the apple right into a cheeseburger. That's how I live, uh, <laughs> and and I do that, and I say this jokingly because only God knows our exit date. That is a mystery that only He carries. He knows exactly when we're going to be born, and He knows exactly our exit date, and that date cannot be changed. And someone might say, well, you know, what about someone that commits suicide? God knew that. God doesn't, uh, nothing takes him by surprise. He is sovereign. He is all-knowing. He knows everything about us. But he's given us this free choice, free will, to accept his son as full payment to our debt that we owe. We absolutely owe. Uh, whether you believe or not, you're in debt. To who? To God. And God has given his son, Jesus Christ, as a full payment to that debt. And where free will comes in kind of tricky is he leaves it to us whether we're going to accept that that free gift in his son or reject it. And um, I, I, I'm not much of a gambler. And, uh, I don't think I ever was. Um, I, you know, I figured that wasn't for me uh, very early on in life. Uh, <laughs> in the very few uh, times that I did gamble, uh, I never won. Uh, so uh, I'm not about to gamble on eternity. Um, I, I've done some foolish things in my life. Uh, that's not going to be one of them. Uh, I, I, I am forever grateful that someone uh, from a prison ministry came to me and presented the gospel uh, in simplicity. And I received it as a child in childlike faith that he is my escape. He is my freedom. He is my redemption. He is my everything, you know, and, 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 and when you come to Christ, I think adults make this so much more complicated than it really is. Uh, salvation is is there. And I think because it's so simple, because of its simplicity, it's hard for the brain to accept that type of simplicity. Why would God make it just that easy that we could confess with our mouth, believe in our, in our heart, the Lord Jesus, and we're saved? It has to be more than that. You know, the, 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 the human mind expects more. There's like, no, there has to be work involved in, in, in order for us to be accepted by the Father. And my friends, it isn't so. God says, I loved you so much. I gave you my beloved son, my only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall be saved. And, and, and that's how simple it is. For, for us here on this podcast, for Ed, for me as Christians, we want you. This Easter could be just another Easter, another Resurrection Sunday for you. Uh, some of you that might be listening in 
somebody told you about this podcast and you're maybe you're driving around town and you know you, you you're getting your family ready to you know make that one of two visits uh once a year uh, uh twice a year to 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 church to your local church and um you have a choice whether this is just going to be one of two visitations or whether this is going to be a, 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 a life-changing moment where God's Son enters into your heart, cleans house, because you can't clean it. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess you up on this, and I hope that I step on your shoe and don't mess up your shine. But the reality is you cannot change yourself. And neither can a hundred thousand men put books together and steps together for you to change your heart. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible also says that our our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's how the level of wickedness in in a man's heart is far and exceeding. There's not enough rules. There's not enough do's. There's not enough don'ts. There's not enough steps for you or for me to get it right with God. When you look at at the Bible in the Old Testament, over 600 laws were given to to the Jewish people. How many were they able to keep? None of them. And so God condenses that, and from the six uh, plus uh, six hundred plus laws, He shrinks it down to ten. And here we are in twenty twenty three. How many of those laws have we kept? Of the ten, zero. <laughs> we break those laws continually throughout the day, and throughout our weeks, and throughout our months, and throughout our lives. And then God says, "Well, you can't keep ten. I'll give you one. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor. My friend, those of you that are listening in right now, we can't even keep that one because we fall short of the glory of God every single day. But the solution is that once you have received Christ in your heart, and you've repented from a sincere, from a sincere heart. God knows when when we re, when we receive Him, when we receive His His Son, and it's at that point in that moment that your eternity is changed forever. And the Bible says, if you go into Revelation, the book of Revelation, it is an exciting book. You will find a, another book in there. That's called the Lamb's Book of Life. When you repent and when you accept the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when you accept that truth, that absolute truth, your name is registered in that book. And when you expire, because you will, because I will, and when we have that appointment, that courtroom in heaven no matter what 
Uh, and I don't know how that courtroom was going to look. I'm assuming, and I'll just make an assumption here, a crazy idea that it could very well look like the courtroom that we have here uh, on earth now. Much more intense, much more real, because now it's an eternity. And Christ being your attorney. And no matter what the accuser of the brethren has to say, whether he's going to be there or not, you have an attorney, an attorney, better than Johnny Cochran, better than Robert Shapiro, better than anybody else that you may know, an attorney that, 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 that's going to that's gonna fight for you, and a verdict that says, not guilty. Wow. And why? Because you received the simplicity of God's holy word, and the plan of salvation. Based on that truth, you are pronounced not guilty. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how uh, to. I've never heard of not guilty in my in my cases. <laughs> I was guilty of sin on every single one of them, but for I know for one sure one sure date that I will hear a not guilty verdict, and that's going to be that courtroom because I accepted Christ just like Ed did and we hope that this this uh, amount of evidence that we presented to you today that this evidence would be so overwhelming by God's holy word that you would turn and say yes to Christ and that doesn't mean that everything's going to go right it doesn't mean that you know uh <laughs> You're going to look down on the floor and you're going to find a $100 bill. It's not what it means. But what it does mean is that you have peace with God the Father. And he, Jesus Christ, is now the mediator between God the Father and you. And he is forever on your side. And that is amazing. That is a promise that God does in his word. And I tell you... Um, you know, I'm 50 years old now, 50 years old. According to the Bible, I have about 20 and some, right? Keep eating cheeseburgers. I might not even see that. <laughs> but here's the thing. Um, man, uh, I have a friendship with God. I have fellowship with the Lord. And um, I can't tell you, uh, in my roughest moments, in my darkest hours, Christ has shined every single time. And at every single point in my life where I needed him the, the most, where I was in, a, in, in depression, when I was alone, when I couldn't see a way out, Christ was there for me, continues to be there for us as believers. And that, that you can't put a price on that. You cannot put a price on that. I hope that you internalize this. And, and just like Ed said, Whenever something is being presented to you, you do the homework. You be the Berean believer. You 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 be the one that 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 goes back and looks at the at the at the websites that we uh, presented to you. And more than that, you look into the scriptures and ask God uh, out of a uh, out of innocence, out of you know curiosity, even 
God, is this real? God, is this true? And, and you know what's going to happen? He, the Bible says he leads us into all truth. And so the Holy Spirit will begin to do a work in your heart. And um, you're going to discover that being on God's plan is far better than anybody else's plan. Uh, and, and the Bible tells us about that, right? There's many plans in the man's heart. Um, it's God who it's God who puts it all together. He's the one that decides whether that's even a good plan or not. Uh, and, and that that's um, that's so cool about uh, about the Bible. It's breathing, it's living. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It knows the intentions of our hearts. It knows everything about us. It has become a mirror for me to look at uh, every single day. And um, I'm so glad that his word is above his name. Um, that's how high, that's how highly he, he views his very word, that it is above his name. The Bible says that it, it, his word is settled in heaven. And, I mean, what more evidence do you need than that? That God's word is is that certain and that sure. So um, to all of you that are listening to us on this podcast, whether you're in the U.S. or outside of the U.S., um, man, we even got Canadians listening to us. To uh, all of you uh, maple leaves, uh, not make believes, maple leaves. Uh, <laughs> to all of you out there, um, I'm so grateful. We're so grateful that you listen in and you tune in. Uh, I hope that you have the best uh, Resurrection Sunday coming up this year because you came to, to the knowledge and the acceptance of Christ, the Son of God. I love you guys. I thank you so much uh, from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, Ed, you got any closing statements or, or anything to say? As always, I just continue to ask people for their prayers as we continue to work together in ministry just pray for the work that we continue to do and peace be with you. That is God's greatest gift for us, his mm. peace. So as you go to celebrate his uh, resurrection, as you go out there, just peace be with you. Thank you for listening. Amen. You guys, um, we're at the end of this episode. And we're so grateful for you. If you want to continue to support uh, this podcast, go to the website, kcds.net. Um, go take a look around and, and, you know, who knows? Who, go, who knows what God will lead you to? Thank you so much. Until the next time, we want to say we love you. We are praying for you. God's not done with you. And, um, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to see Jesus. And like as always since the episode number one, you know I'm going to say it because I always do. Keep Jesus first. <laughs>